today's message is from Acts chapter 19 and verse tw uh, chapter 20, where Paul is on his third missionary journey. And uh, the theme today, the message that I'm going to preach is, who are you bringing with you? Who are you bringing with you? Because Paul, Paul had this thing. Everywhere he went, he said, who, who, who can come along with me? Who will be my partners in faith? Who will walk with me? And Paul did not walk an easy journey. I mean, this guy was constantly in trouble. Maybe we ought to, maybe if we, we were doing what God wants to do, we'd be in a little more trouble. But Paul was always in trouble. And these, these people would come alongside him because Paul also was one that was not afraid to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and especially these, the ones that we're going to see today are a number of young men that Paul, now he started his third missionary journey. He didn't take a partner with him to start out with. But along the way, he's picking up people. And now he's on the back end. Of, he's almost ready to make the turn and head back to Jerusalem. And he's picking up these people along the way. Now, we're gonna, we're gonna, there's some parts in here about a big riot that takes place and some other things that go on. But I want you to focus on who Paul brought with him. Because we don't walk through the journey of the Christian life by ourselves. We walk it in company with others. And the longer we walk, the more we should be saying, hey, there's going to come a day when I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. I'm not going to, I know there's going to come a day when I'm not going to be able to stand up here and preach anymore. So, so I need to be able to bring people along. Have them... There's going to be a time when you won't be able to do what you do anymore. And so who are we bringing with us that we can say, I'm going to pass the torch? When I was in law enforcement, one of my favorite times of the year was the Special Olympics torch run. It would come through town and it would literally run all the way across Oregon. And quite often it would end up close by here, either down in Eugene or over in Corvallis for the big games at Research Stadium or down in uh, whatever they call the place down there. It's got a new name every week. I don't know. But watching those young people pass that torch from one to another, passing it on, that's what Paul is, is doing. He's lighting the torch for those who are going to go with him. So turn to Acts chapter 19, and we are going to come to verse 21, and we're only going to read two verses here because we're going to introduce the first two people. Verse 21. Now after these things were finished, Paul purposed in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem after he had passed through Macedonia and Acacia, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. I want to introduce you to the first two people, Timothy and Erastus. Now, 
Timothy, we met him back in chapter 16, didn't we? Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Here is young Timothy. He's probably a teenager. And Paul blows into town. And this kid, he obviously was impressed with the Jewish traditions. He, he was, he, the, people, the Jewish people of that area thought well of him. And Paul comes along. And Paul is a rabbi from Jerusalem. But he's also a believer in Jesus Christ. And Timothy goes, whoa. I need to get to know to this guy. And so he leaves. This is his second missionary journey, right? Paul's on his second mission. And he takes him with him. And Timothy travels with Paul. He watches him preach. And remember, this isn't a one week here and the next week there. We're talking Paul's at places for a year, two years preaching, giving the word of God. And Timothy's right there just absorbing all of this. And this young man, he's going to go on to pastor the church at Ephesus. And in 1 Timothy 4, 12, it says, "Let Paul is talking to Timothy, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity, show yourself an example to those who believe. He had absorbed from Paul and then Paul said, go. And here he says, I'm going to send you and Erastus ahead of me in the Macedonia. Paul had already been there on his last trip. Philippi, Berea, Thessalonica. And Paul said, go, 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 go. You guys go ahead of me. Get the meeting set up. I'm coming. That's how much he trusted Timothy. And Timothy is a young man. He's not, he's not somebody that's been in the faith for, for 50 years. Paul trusts him to go ahead of him. And the first thing I want to, you to grasp out of this is train them while they're young. Get a hold of a young person and say, hey, how can, how can I help you? How can, how can I help you in the Lord to rise up? I had an uncle that my, I, I went to college my first year up in Portland to a, to a two-year Bible college up there. I had an uncle that uh, called up my, my second year in college. I, during the summer, he called up and he says, hey, if you'll go to Liberty University, it, at the time it was Liberty Baptist College, but if you go to Liberty, I'll pay your first year's tuition. Whew. Yes, sir. Where do I sign up? My uncle saw the potential. And he says, I, I, want to, I want to invest in you. Amen. We need to invest in people when they're young. One of the greatest things that we do here at the church is when we go on short-term missions and we take teens with us. Because those teens come back and they're like, wow, I didn't know this went on. I didn't know people lived like this. I didn't know God worked through me to love on people. 
and to see the appreciation of what you're doing, uh, it catches a hold of them. I've had the opportunity uh, for 12 years at, a, at another church, I was the director of missions uh, in a lay position, and one of our things was we, we particularly sought out the youth. I've seen four, four young people become full-time missionaries because of what we did. Train them while they're young. Secondly, be willing to let them leave the nest. Be willing to let them leave the nest. Let them go out and explore. I, my parents were awesome. When I was 12, they let me go up to Tadmore uh, camp up here. We were just building it at the time. And, and I worked at Tadmore for my entire spring break when I was 12 years old. I pulled line for an electrician for a week. <laughs> you know, not really exciting, but it was, it was an investment. And my parents knew, teach them. Don't, you know, you can go out and go to Disneyland anytime. But it was an opportunity to invest. Let, be willing to let them leave the nest. Oh, we're, you know, we live in a society that we're, we're, we get worried, don't we? Oh, they may get out and get in trouble. I told all of my kids, I said, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to call dad and say, dad, come get me. And twice I've made 3,000-mile road trips with my kids because they said, Dad, come get me. But that's okay. Let them leave the nest. Let them experience what God is doing in the world on their own. It's one thing to go to church with mom and daddy. It's another to be, literally, when you're 18 years old and you're saying, I, I need to find a church, what do I look for? What kind of church should I be in? It's good for them. Well, we have a, another guy, right? His name is Erastus. What a name. And Erastus is an interesting guy because he's nothing like Timothy. Matter of fact, the only verse that we have that really tells us about Erastus is Romans 16, 23. It says, Gaius, host to me, and to the whole church greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, greets you, and Quartus, the brother. Erastus is a businessman. He works for the government. He's a treasurer for an entire city of Philippi. And yet he leaves that for a short period of time. He's a he decides that he wants to go with Paul. He doesn't leave his career, but he takes a leave of absence and says, man, i got to figure this guy out. Paul is different from anybody else I've met. And so Erastus leaves for his, his, uh, his post as the city treasurer for just a short time. What I want us to take from that is be willing to be used of God for a season. You don't have to say, oh, I'm, going to be a, I'm going to be a missionary for the rest of my life. But, but we can say, listen, there's a need someplace. You know, I'm going to take a year and go down and be a grandparent for kids in, in Ecuador. I want to be part of something greater. Be part of a, 
Be part of something while you can. I had friends of ours that got involved with Samaritan's Purse. Uh, he, was, uh, he was a tradesman. He was uh, a millwright. And so they bought a fifth-wheel trailer, and they traveled all over the United States doing different projects for, for um, Samaritan's Purse. And, and they said, you know, I, I know I only have so many years left that I just, they live back here in Albany now. But for a season, God took the talents that he had used all his life to make a living and used it to bless people. They were, they were at Katrina. They were in, at different places where there was just massive uh, destruction. And he was there to help people rebuild their homes, help churches be rebuilt. He, they were on the ground. And what a blessing that is. Well, let's look at a couple more folks. Chapter 19, verse 29. And the city was filled with confusion. So, so there's a riot going on because basically Paul's teaching has turned the, turned the city upside down. Uh, the, there was, the city was filled with confusion and they rushed with one accord into the theater and dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companion from Macedonia. How would you like to be a traveling companion and your host is, is off preaching someplace else and they come along and drag you out in the middle of a riot thinking uh, how it's just going to end? But they were along for the journey. Now, Gaius we don't know a whole lot about because Gaius is a very common Greek name. There's, there, so there's at least, at least three Gaiuses that are mentioned uh, in the New Testament, so we don't know a whole lot about him. But this guy by the name of Aristarchus is mentioned in Philemon and also in Colossians as being a traveling companion. That's the term used, traveling companion. And what I want us to take out of this is join the journey. Not your journey, join somebody else's journey. You know, when people go through a journey, it's nice to have somebody along. Now, you, you say, but I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. Sometimes it's just nice. When you're driving from here to Portland, and I know some of you have been through this, when you're driving from here to Portland to have your chemo, isn't it nice to have somebody in the car, somebody sitting in that waiting room? And, and people go through that. They need somebody to be part of the journey. You know, walking somebody through difficult times. When, uh, when Diane, finally they told her that she could, there was no more treatments for her cancer. She came to Eileen and I and she said, I've never had to die before. Will you help me? said absolutely and every week we would we would meet with her and we'd sit down and she would share the doctor told me I couldn't go skydiving 
She was mad. It was on her bucket list. She said, what's going to happen? I'm going to die? Right? But we walked with Diane all the way through until the time that she couldn't even get out of bed. And, you know, I, there would be a lot of times I would say, Diane, I don't have the answer. I can't fix it. All I can do is stand, sit here and hold your hand. And Eileen would do just that. We would just hold her hand. Join the journey. Be part of somebody else's journey. Sometimes that's the, what we need to get out of ourselves, isn't it? Oh, poor pitiful me, right? And God says, join the journey. It may have you in the middle of a riot. But join the journey. Be part of somebody else's problem. Part of somebody else's journey. So Gaius did that. I think one of the, one of the greatest, Gaius and Aristarchus did that for Paul. They were part of his journey. And sometimes the biggest thing we can do is just have the ministry of presence. The ministry of presence. Just sitting there, knowing somebody's not alone. Be a hospice volunteer. No one, no one should ever die alone. And sometimes I get a, I, I get a call, will you come? And they're not a part of our church. They've, somebody has told, told them about me. And, and I say, will you go and visit grandma or grandpa or whoever is in hospice? I, absolutely. And you get there and nobody's there. And they're, they just got their medication, and so they're, they're out of it. I'm not going to wake them up to say, hey, I'm Pastor Ben, how are you doing? <laughs> but every time I go, what I do is I take a hymnal with me. And I'll sit by their bedside, and I'll sing with them. Sing. And, and I can just watch. Watch as they just go completely calm. That labored breathing begins to calm, because... The last thing to go is the hearing. Be part of their journey. Be part of what, if you can't fix it, but you don't need to fix it. That's God's job. But they need to have somebody to walk with them in the midst. Paul had been through so much, and these guys said, hey, we're going to be with them, even if it means we get arrested. Well, let's go on to Acts chapter 20. I want you to meet a few more people. Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 5. After the uproar had ceased, Paul sent to the disciples. And when they had exhorted them and taken his leave of them, he left to go to Macedonia. And when he had <coughs> gone through those districts and had given them much exhortation, he came to Greece. And there he spent three months. And when a plot was formed against him by the Jews, as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And he was accompanied by Sopater of Berea, the son of Parias, and Aristarchus, we just met him, didn't we? 
and Segundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and Tychicus, and Trophimus of Asia. But these had gone on ahead and were waiting for us. Luke is back in the picture now, too, at Troas. Bunch of names, isn't it? Paul is, has all of these guys are saying, listen, if people are after you, he, he's, they're the bodyguards. <laughs> now they're with him. They want to make sure he's making it safely along. And, and as we look at his missionary journey, he is, where's my red dot? There we go. Here he is. He's over here. And he's come this way, and he was going to sail straight over to Jerusalem. But he says, nope, I'm going to go back through. He visits Athens, or he, he leaves Corinth. He sails around Athens. He gets up here. He hits Berea, Thessalonica, and he comes back around until he gets to Troas and jumps on a ship to come all the way back down, and he's going to hit the coastline. And these guys are with him. And it names three guys that we find nowhere else in the scripture. Sopater, Segundus, and Gaius of Derby. No idea who they are. They're just, his, they're just along with Paul. I like the idea that they were his bodyguards. Because, you know, Paul was always stirring up trouble. You know, can you imagine the Ray-Bans and the dark suits with the thing in the air? I used to do that, right? Some of you may don't know that. I was a bodyguard for Jerry Falwell for seven years. And, uh, you know, it, it sounds a lot more glamorous than it is, but standing outside of a hotel room for eight hours like this is not a lot of fun. But, you know, here these guys are with him. You know what? You don't have to be the star of the show, folks. Sometimes it's not about you. Sometimes it's about who you're with. And these guys were with Paul. And just standing by, just standing by, standing nearby, you would be amazed at how many amazing things you will learn. Just being in the room, being there while Paul, can you imagine what it would be like to be there when Paul said, come here, let me heal your let me heal your leg. Let the blind see. Be there when Paul casts out a demon. Can you imagine what that was like for these men that were traveling with him? They weren't the star of the show. Paul was. And they were willing to let Paul be that. What do you need, Paul? Do you need a glass of water? Do you need, what do you need? Let me get that for you. Just being a servant is an amazing part of being part of the journey. Just helping somebody out. Hey, it's okay. I had a, there was a guy that every, every Saturday he would show up, and, and part of my job was to make sure that Jerry Falwell's family was safe. And so I would be at the house quite often on Saturday, and uh, he would show up every Saturday to wash their cars. 
because he didn't want his pastor or his pastor's wife to drive a dirty car to church. Every Saturday, there he'd come. Not a big deal. He didn't want his pastor to show up in a dirty, a dirty car. He knew who the star of the show was, but he showed up just to do those little things. And sometimes that's all we need to do. You know, when somebody, this, is, this happens a lot. Somebody dies. Somebody's going to make a telephone call and they're going to say, well, if you need anything, you give me a call, right? Now, how many times do you get that call back? Because the person who you made that call to, they're in a fog. They've got funeral plans to make. They've got, they've got the funeral home calling them. They've got to do all of this. They've got, they've got to figure out where's the will if there was one. Where's all of this stuff? People are, the hospital's calling us, calling them. You know, what funeral home do you want it to go to? There's all of this stuff going on. If you have somebody that, that around you that dies and you pick up the phone, you know what I'd say? I'm coming with a bag of groceries. Is there anything you, you don't like to eat? Quite often, when it's a big family, I'll show up with a hundred stack of paper plates and a couple cases of water, something that doesn't have to be returned, just because you know everybody and their brother's coming through. And yeah, they get a lot of casseroles, but who's going to do the dishes? Show up with practical things. Do the things that nobody, you know, mow their lawn. Just show up and mow the lawn. Be there to do the practical things. Tychicus, that's a, that's a hard one to say, isn't it? <laughs> he was Paul's go-to guy. A lot of us think, oh, Timothy was the protege. He was. But, but when Paul needed somebody to do something, he would turn to Tychicus and it would be done. You ever have somebody like that? If you have somebody like that, you treasure them. And you're like going, no, you, 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 I'm not, I'm not, you can't borrow them. Mm-mm. <laughs> They're mine. You know, my daughter lives, lives in Texas. She says, Dad, everybody has two people. They have the lawn guy and the tamale lady. <laughs> and they're sacred. You don't tell anybody about them. You don't want them to get stolen. If you, have the, if you have a ticketus, you have your go-to guy, you don't want to share them because all you've got to do is say, hey, can you take care of this? And it's done. In Ephesians 6, 21, it says, but that you may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will make everything known to you. Paul had written the letter of Ephesians and said, brother, I want you to get this to the Ephesians. And then I want you to come back and tell me how they're doing it. Are they doing okay? Right? Colossians. As to all of my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant. Wow. He's still a faithful servant. 
and beloved and fellow bondservant of the Lord will bring you information, for I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about my, our circumstances, that he may encourage your hearts, and with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation there. You remember who Onesimus is? The book of Philemon. Paul said, hey, Tychus, I need you to go to the Colossians, and I need you to take this other letter, this private letter to Philemon, because Philemon needs to restore Onesimus, and Onesimus needs to be restored to, to him too, also. And Tychus has got it, got it done. Book of Titus, when, when I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Go there, Tychicus, I want you to go, and I want you to fill in for Titus while he comes to visit me. Okay, I'm on it, boss. Paul, 2 Timothy 2, the last letter that Paul would write. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Where's Timothy? Timothy's the pastor of Ephesus. And when you come, bring the cloak that I left in Troas with Carpus and the books, especially the parchments. He sent him to relieve Timothy so he could come and minister to Paul at the end of his life. I want to be there, Lord. I want to be there, Paul. Can I? No. I need Timothy right now. Okay. I'll go take care of it. And there's one more guy mentioned here. Trophimus. Trophimus, mentioned just one time, or two times. He's mentioned here, and then he's mentioned again in Acts chapter 21, verses 29. See, Trophimus traveled with Paul all the way to Jerusalem, and he was with Paul when he got arrested in the temple. Well, the cool thing is, is in 2 Timothy 4.20, at the end of his life, he says, I left Trophimus sick. He, he, he was too sick to travel with me anymore. Trophimus was that friend that sticks with you through thick or thin. Because I want you to understand something. Paul was in jail for two years in Caesarea before he went to Rome. And here's Trophimus with him through all of that. Trophimus through thick and thin. There's people who need that kind of friend. Are you going to be that kind of friend? Are you going to bring those people along with you? And that's the question we ask today. Who are you bringing with you on your journey? 
We have the opportunity to influence. We have older people who need to influence younger people. We have younger people who need to seek out a mentor. I praise the God for the pastors who, who took me along on their journey. And, you know, the reality is, is someday that journey will end. Pastor Bob, who was the pastor who took me as an 18-year-old kid and, and threw the dice and said, you know what? This kid has got something going on and supported me and, and in, in my ministry. He said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you along. He just was moved into memory care two weeks ago. Next time I see him, he may not even know who I am. But all through my life, I've been able to reach out to him. And now it's my turn. Who do I bring with me? Who are the young men? Who are the young women that I can encourage to go into life to be the next generation, the next person that takes my place? Who are you bringing with you? Well, we're going to go to uh, communion. Jesus is the perfect example, isn't he? He picked the 12. And out of that, one of them flaked out, didn't he? You're going to have that happen. There's going to be people that you're going to bring along that they may even stab you in the back. Don't let that deter you. Because there was 11 that went on to change the world. And Jesus invested in those 12. And out of those 12, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. And he invested in those three particularly. And he brought them with him. And then one day, as they sat at supper, he said, guys... I'm leaving. I'm going to go back to heaven. But before that happens, I'm going to die on a cross. And then I'm going to be risen again. Because of that, I got news for you. I've got a place for you in heaven. And I'm going to go to heaven. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, what's he going to do? I will come again and take you to myself where you will live forever. Amen? And as we take the communion, we remember that Jesus said, yes, I will die for you. This is my body that is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. This is the cup this is the blood that is shed for the remission of sin, for the forgiveness of sin. Drink it in remembrance of me. And then he says, I'm not going to eat this bread and drink this with you again on this earth. Next time I do it is when we get to heaven. <laughs>